Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Star Guys, a podcast about Stargirl on the CW. I'm a Star Guy. I'm Alex. I, I too, am a Star Guy. I am Justin, one of two Star Guys uh, present and accounted for. <laughs> Great. Roll done. Now, move on to Treasury. Treasure, take it away. We don't have any star money. Oh, no. We got to get more star money, particularly because we're going to be recapping Summer School Chapter 6, the latest episode of Stargirl. This is a big one. We're now about halfway through season two and some big stuff goes down this episode. So if you didn't watch it, turn away because we're going to get right into spoilers. Quick bit of recap is after the first half of the episode slowly builds up a fight between the young JSA and the new young ISA, which includes a new sportsmaster. Artemis Croc has her own costume now. The new fiddler, who is Isaac Bowen, and of course, Cindy Berman Shiv. Turns out they didn't want Mikey in their roster. They just wanted him as bait to lure Courtney and the rest of the JSA and take them down. But in the middle of that, the real plan emerges, which is Eclipso wanted to use Courtney's staff to escape from the Black Diamond, which he does. He wrecks shit real quick. Just across yeah. the board, kills Isaac, sucks Cindy Berman into a portal, breaks the Shade's powers, uh, removes the powers, I believe, from the cosmic staff, and at the end leaves everybody in shambles, including himself, and he turns into a little boy and then hobbles off into the middle of the night at the end of the The end. There. The end. The end. And that's the last episode of the show. Thank you so much for following the podcast. We really appreciate it. We do a lot more podcasts you should check out, but this was the last episode of Stargirl. I think it's interesting that uh, Eclipso's like, seems pretty happy being a little boy. All mm-hmm. villains secretly just want to get back to their youth. I'll tell you what, not to jump right to the end of the episode, but that final shot, I'm sure that kid is fine and his laughter was very creepy and everything. But I 100% guarantee you the direction was, okay, so you walk in that direction and raise your arms slightly and wobble back and forth. The little kid was like, got it. <laughs> Because that that was not scary. I'm sorry. 
You, I thought it was I, I mean, this sort of it? goes to my note across the board. I thought this episode did a great job of like slowly ratcheting up the tension of this whole thing and ended up in this great like 80s horror movie place um, with the series or maybe it'll continue in that way going forward. But at least this episode felt like we were as the characters are moving forward, we were going back in time to like a sort of gremlins vibe here. Mm-hmm. I liked it too. Don't get me wrong. It was just there was something about that last shot that felt like it's the last shot of the night. We got to get this. Let's move on and just do it. Hurry up. Yeah, hurry this up. This kid's got to go to bed. This actor's got to go to bed. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we're right on the cusp here. But otherwise, what this episode did really well that we've talked about before is the fight scenes. The fight yeah. scene in the cafeteria was great. So, so much good. fun. Yeah. Uh, the way they're, they're using. Um, a lot because the the special effects in the show, especially with Stripe, are a little bit dicey. They feel um, a little old fashioned sometimes, but it's more than made up for in these fight sequences. Like the way that Pack gets thrown around um, when he gets captured, um, all the the violin energy. I, I want to p- take up the violin. My brother went to Juilliard for the violin, and he could do that. There was a whole class about using your violin energy to take down superheroes. That's why it's so hard to get into Juilliard, is the weaponry <laughs> skills. The Mortal Kombat-style fighting uh, uh, curriculum is just really difficult. Now, to keep talking down the different members of the ISA, what did you think of Young Sportsmaster's new costume? Uh, a little big, a very uh, a lot of padding, which I respect. Like, when mm-hmm. you're out there playing the game, you don't want, you don't want to feel the hits. Um, what I liked about that costume is you're able to look at it and go, hmm, that's a stuntman. Yeah. <laughs> Smart. I mean, it had shades of Teenage Union Ninja Turtles, the original mm-hmm. live movie um, in a lot of ways. Uh, but I, I will say as much as that, like I was saying about the stripe, like some of the stuff can get a little bit broad and goofy. But the writing and sort of overall narrative of this show always trends toward like, whoa, they killed that dude, uh, which is surprising for me. And it, it makes the show feel like they're really going hard at the stories they're telling. They definitely want to make sure that there is a cost involved in everything. And the two things that you're calling out, particularly in this episode, the first one with Pat being attacked, it's absolutely to set up. Yes, this is not just a young ISA, they're playing around. These are legit villains, the same as the ISA. They are going to kick the crap out of Pat and send him to the hospital, completely beat him up. Granted, he's a human, but he should be able to handle himself at this point against three kids. That's 100% not the case. He's scrambling away. He's running away. They beat him up. Uh, And then tear Stripe to bits, which is also very sad and very upsetting. Yeah, especially to um, the mechanic who mm-hmm. is was all set to put a chainsaw arm on that thing, and now he's got to start over. Like, and mechanics hate starting over. Speaking from experience, mm-hmm. what did you think about Zeke and Mikey's show in this episode? It's kind of replaced the Pat and Mikey show a little bit. It is. Uh, it is a little surprising. Mikey has taken on a whole new sort of position in the show. He doesn't eat anymore. But what he does is he's moved on to food-adjacent weapons like the toaster he uses so well here. And that's uh, starting with a skill set and moving into uh, a new – he's really learning. Well, I believe that's the second toaster that he picks up in the episode. The first toaster, if I remember correctly, was the toaster that Yolanda scratched up last season when she was first using her wildcat costume. 
Uh, so that was another fun callback along with the stop signs, which we got to see again. Ah, great. Love that great. callback. Fun callbacks. Like I was saying, more of that stuff. I want to see more of the tapestry of the show build out as it goes. Do you feel like the toaster, when he sees the first toaster, it's like when young Arthur first beheld Excalibur. And then later on, he's able to pull the toaster from mm. its stone, the counter, and uses it as um, to fight for, for right. Taking I his rightful think... place as the king of toast. I think probably what was going on in the first toaster incident was he was looking for Pop-Tarts, right? Like mm. he, he saw a toaster. Where do Pop-Tarts come from? The toaster. Yeah. So maybe they're in there. He is like a truffle pig for Pop-Tarts. <laughs> he can sniff them out any which way they go. Did you see there was that Nicolas Cage movie, Pig, about the mm. truffle pig where his truffle pig gets stolen and he goes on a John Wick style hunt for it. They're doing a sequel, but with Mikey and Pop-Tarts. Yeah. Uh, tart pig. Is <laughs> that, that I believe that's definitely what they're calling implies it. something very different than what we're talking about. <laughs> well, when you're marketing a movie, you want to sort of hit all the, all four quadrants, yeah. and I think Tart Pig does a pretty good job of that. <laughs> definitely, definitely some quadrants. That's a, <laughs> I, I would call that out, uh, Mikey. So, okay, let's talk about this plot line because I have some questions here, and I feel like I'm lumping on this episode that I otherwise enjoyed, but I'm going to keep going with it because why not? All season long, mm -hmm. Cindy has been pulling out the Mikey card and being like, and he's our Trump card. We're going to call Mikey. Yeah. They even redid Eclipso, repainted the picture with Mikey hanging out there with a cool leather jacket with the rest of the yes, ISA. Very cool. Definitely seemed like they were building up that Mikey was going to be some sort of villain part of the ISA here. And that's 100%. Cindy's like, oh, that was never the plan. You were always the bait. Do you think they changed plans behind the scenes at some point? No, and here's why. I think that there's more to be told in this Mikey plan because the way Eclipso's powers work are by taking people who've done wrong or have perceived themselves to have done wrong, takes advantage of that and uses it to suck up their souls. And I think what we have left over from last season, we saw a little bit of this like two or three episodes ago, is Mikey feels like guilt for what he did with his truck. Um, uh, the ultimate sort of toaster is a mm -hmm. truck. And I think that's going to make him vulnerable to Eclipso's power. So I think his role is uh, Eclipso has sniffed uh, sort of the darkness Mikey's feeling and is using it will use him again later on in the season. I like that theory a lot, particularly because we get a tease at the end here that Mikey says, I want a striped suit of my own. So potentially he's going to become what Iron Man, essentially. <laughs> That's an interesting way to take it. Yeah, I think yeah. it'll be uh, just all of the um, food based appliances that they can mm -hmm. find. Uh, Zeke will be putting on just a, a great uh, cookie cookie dough blender uh, on his attachment on his hand. Or maybe he'll turn into some sort of transformer, right? He'll roll in one of those large toasters, and then the toaster will turn into his Stripe Junior suit, and then he'll attack that way. Ooh, Stripe Junior. Stripe Junior. Nice. I don't know. What Everybody's Junior. That's another thing. I'm, I'm, what is with all the Junior in DC Comics? I don't really have a Seinfeld-style follow-up to this necessarily, so much as an observation. Oh, no. That there's like... The Brainwave Junior, Icicle Junior, potentially Stripe Junior. I don't know. Come up with another name. Well, it's the way it works. It's like when um, a, a parents have a kid, they mm -hmm. often make it um, a junior because it's like a smaller version of them. Mm. And the way the kids are made are um, through uh, oh, sort of a, a sexual process. 
Uh, <laughs> I'd love to know more about this. Mm. Maybe for uh, another well, you're, podcast. I'm sorry, you're too junior um, oh, to learn man. all of these. All right, I'll work um, my I, way up the organization until I get there. Yes, definitely organizationally. I do think that this, uh, it's because DC is built around legacy. And this mm-hmm. show really takes that in. And it's very easy to put legacy out there when you use junior sure. as a way of connecting the, the back and forth. Uh, all right. That's fair enough. Anyway, we're going to find out, I guess, what happens with Mikey. But I do like that theory that potentially he is going to be actually turned towards the villain side by Eclipso because we are just getting started here with him to move on and talk about Courtney in this episode and particularly this cosmic staff. What do we think is going on here? I mean, they haven't been necessarily been subtle about the fact that the cosmic staff is able to fight against the shade. The cosmic staff is able to fight against Eclipso. But here at the end, we find that Eclipso is actually able potentially to shut down the cosmic staff. So what's your theory with this one, if anything? Well, um, I don't know. I'm curious if we're going to learn where the diamond came from, that it is a, a prison built for Eclipso out of um, the maybe shade built that along using the shade shadow powers along with the uh, the staff um, mm-hmm. to sort of harden that around. Um, and so that meant the staff was the only thing that could unlock it. That may be why we saw Starman at the beginning of the season. We're going to see him again. But um, it, uh, I, I don't know why... Uh, sort of, I feel like Shade would be a little more present and be like, hey, we did this a while ago if you're curious about what this diamond is. And yeah. there's none of that. There's a lot of his dialogue is very movie TV dialogue, just yeah. sort of dangling like, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm yeah. not going Cut. to elaborate <laughs> at yeah. all. Cut away. Where very it's, British. Yeah. It's like, give one more sentence, just one more sentence of explanation. And it's the sort of thing of that... If he told Courtney what was going on with the Black Diamond, if he was like, hey, if you hit the Black Diamond with the Cosmic Staff, that's going to free Eclipso. Don't do that. Courtney 100% would say, oh, okay, I won't do that. And then we kind of, you know, move on from there to another mode of the show. Obviously, the reason for not doing that is so you continue the life of the show and continue the plot that's going on there. But it is a slightly frustrating written thing that gets a little annoying to me sometimes. Um, I'm curious to see now that if he's suffered a loss, maybe we are going to get a more open shade or potentially maybe a full on flashback episode showing us what went on with the shade and eclipse. So really back in the day, I think that would be nice, especially since uh, everyone's a little bit uh, to your point, depowered right now. I think Mm -hmm. they need to to have a chat. Um, We get a little bit of that here in the episode with, um, the Dugan family um, hanging. Like, I love Amy Smart, just like knows about everything. She's like, go kick ass. Uh, the way the family dynamic is working, I think, is really nice. And if they just sit down with Shade there, they got a whole light some candles. Oh. Uh, maybe uh, Take out so a light nice dinner. Big turkey? Oh, oh, turkey's a okay. little heavy when oh. you're working. You know, some like. Cranberry sauce? That's why, like, in the corporate pumpkin board room, pie. The corporate board, are you really looking Stuffing? for this? Spooky it's coming. Season. Thanksgiving's yeah. coming, baby. Can't wait. It's still a ways off. But you don't see a lot of Thanksgiving meals served in like corporate boardrooms or with athletes before they play a, a game because it's uh, sleeping. It induces I don't know. a lot before of. Before pre pandemic days, whenever we had our morning meeting at work, which was every day, I would bring a full cooked turkey. Mm. Nice. That's why the, the, you're, the, you're the turkey guy. Yeah. That's who's our, who's our turkey boy? Hey, there's that turkey they would say as I was walking through the office, and I'd be like, thank you. I appreciate mm. it. 
Yeah. You know, there the was a guy answer. actually who would go around her office and always offer up, not turkey, but he'd be like, make fresh baked banana bread and come around to demand that you eat his banana bread all the time. That person, I don't know who it is, but they sound like a sociopath. They need I, to bargain for their friendship. I uh, am glad I'm not at the office anymore. Wow. <laughs> I like that. Hey, like, hey, just banana let me do bread. my work and stop forcing carbs on me. If you're listening out there, Banana Bread, please join us on the show so we can get into this. <laughs> yeah, I would love to chat about it. If there's a reason behind it, I know you're just trying to be kind. And I'm a jerk. I realize I'm in the wrong <laughs> here. It's fine. <laughs> no, well, I don't know. We're, our virtual office, we should be sharing some big snacks. Sure. I'll email you some turkey or something like that. Perfect. Only thing well, I can my, think of. My turkey download came through. <laughs> But I do think we need to have some sort of flashback episode. Certainly the fact that little Brucey Gordon shows up at the end here as a child, that Eclipso turns back into him. We haven't seen that since the first episode of the season when Charles McKnighter's daughter died. I think at the very least, we're going to have some sort of flashback to what is his connection to Bruce Gordon? Why is he taking on that form of him as a child? What happened to Eclipso back in the day? So I think whether it's a full episode or part of an episode, we're certainly going to get some sort of history going on there. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think that's important because this show is about legacy. We got a lot of that sort of big information last season. And this season, we're sort of not. Uh, but the show, I think, demands it. Because they're all so like, this Eclipso guy seems like trouble, but nobody really is telling them uh, what the deal is. There's another legacy thing that I think we should talk about, and this is a theory that I have that's not too far at the old theory, but Cindy gets sucked into the puddle of glue, goo. Goo. By goo, not glue. She doesn't get no. stuck. She no. gets suckled into a not puddle a horse, of horse. That's not a bunch of horse, <laughs> if I know what I'm talking about. Great fun fact. He, she gets sucked in there. I assume she's probably going to the same dark dimension that Charles McKnighter is trapped in, right? Good. So we're going to get some sort of interaction there. So again, that's another legacy thing of what happened to Charles McKnighter back in the day. Why doesn't Pat want to talk about it? Why is he in that dark dimension? What's going on? Maybe that has to do with the shade. Maybe that has to do with Eclipso. Potentially, I think that also has to do with Jade slash Jenny's brother, Obsidian, that we haven't even mm. met yet, but has been hinted at. And these are all dark dimension folks that we could blow out potentially into a much bigger mythology going on over the course of the season. Um, yeah, I think definitely we're going to touch on all of that and what the connection is between um, the Shades realm and Eclipso's sort of goo, goo realm. Because um, I do think Charles McKnighter is in Shades' shadow realm, but maybe mm -hmm. there's a touch point there um, that we can connect. Um, a city would be a great uh, reveal there, especially a great way to bring Jade back sort of out of nowhere, I think. Yeah. Other characters we should talk about, let's discuss Beth. There's a little bit that happens with her. First of all, she's gotten the goggles working. There's a very fun moment during yeah. the fight when she throws up the wanted posters of Artemis's parents. I thought that was She's on cool. the attack. She's yeah. using glasses on the attack, which is very mm -hmm. rare. You, as a, a bespeckled man, uh, bespectacled, <laughs> is that the right word? Uh, bespeckled, too. I have a lot of freckles. Yeah, he's befreckled and bespeckled and bespectacled. Spectacle. My main mode of attack whenever I see somebody running towards me in like a bar fight or whatever, you know, the places that I usually get into fights, I'll yes. immediately just pull off my glasses and throw them at them first thing so that yep. they know I'm serious. And that's a great distraction as you run and hide in the bathroom, right? Underneath uh, the if sink. If I can find it. If I can find right. it, yeah, because my glasses are off. Yes, 100%. It's like the end of that Twilight Zone episode, except you're throwing your glasses <laughs> at a bar fight. Yeah. 
<laughs> the original draft of there. that Twilight Zone episode, he's like, wow, I'm the last man on Earth. And then he hears a noise and he just throws his glasses. Bar fight. Ah. Uh, oh, no. The last bar fight on Earth heard a knock at the door. Scary story. <laughs> anyway, Beth, though, is also trying to get her parents to stay together. And it's not quite working. Uh um, sad. Beth, Very sad. I know. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Sad. That scene, the the scene leading into um, Beth and her dad talking was the, the back end was like heartbreaking, so sad. But the front end, when Beth surprised her dad at work, he's like, "Ugh, Beth." <laughs> like he, they they run the gamut of like Beth's parents truly not liking her to like a really intense, heartfelt moment there. I, that was a bit of whiplash for me, but um, it is funny that they're continuing both sides of that relationship. The worst. Beth is great. I don't know why they're so mean to her. It's wild. Another yeah. character we could probably talk about that shows up only a little bit here is Cameron. After that mm. big cliffhanger in the last episode where it seemed like he was getting his ice powers, he shows up here and we get no mention of it whatsoever. He's just wandering through bum because his art teacher is in a psychiatric hospital now. He does provide the important information that Cindy Berman is back in town and has the Black Diamond, which helps out Pat and Courtney, which is nice. But I got a sense, and I don't know if you did as well from this short scene with Cameron, that maybe even though he gave this big speech in the last episode about never helping out Cindy, that perhaps he's headed in a different direction now that he has no rudder, so to speak, with his art teacher. Yeah, um, the loss of art uh, can make you do crazy things. Um, Like I missed a week of podcasting and I almost went, Truly insane myself. <laughs> yeah. Took I up with the villains. Uh, what yeah. other characters should we talk about? I think Rick doesn't do a whole lot in this episode necessarily. He gets a swirly. He gets, gets a swirly. I love that fight moment. Punching a hole in the toilet was is not an idea that would occur to me, but good on you. It yeah. worked out really well. Um, I... Uh, th- I thought across the board that, like we said, the fighting was awesome. A couple specific moments, Yolanda's work in the fight sequences, her really jumping and running like a cat, I thought was was cool and well done. The way they shoot this show is uh, just – it's really surprising to me how great it is. Like it's really smartly done and they shift pretty cleanly between sort of the more seen stuff where – we see the characters actually reacting to the camera moving wildly in different spots to pick up this, the see action of it. And cool. I appreciate having watched a ton of the Arrowverse shows, which generally do have good fight scenes. Um, Arrow was always great at that, but they also ended up being a very samey in terms of the fight scenes where it was like right. 35 ninja characters are all attacking Oliver Queen and he fights them back and it's cool, but it's sort of the same thing each time. It feels like with Stargirl, there's a real effort to give us something unique looking as often as possible. Like there was that great shot of Courtney riding on the staff through the cafeteria. Yeah. But it's also a clear opportunity to show off the stunt work that the stunt people are doing because they are doing this continuous or faux continuous shot if there's cuts in the middle of it. But it looks good. It's basically showing us that it's not like – we're just going to do a couple of close-ups and shaky cam. We're actually going to do these fights and execute them in some way. And it's very fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, Even though Shade calls it a trivial teenage gang fight, they do a good job of making it look awesome. Any other moments in the episode you want to call out before we start to wrap up here? 
Well, we touched on it a little bit, but the back end of the episode when uh, Clipso sucks Isaac's soul, like, holy shit, this is was <laughs> scary. Like, the whole Eclipso look, the red eyes and everything, like, I thought this was was really well done, especially a character that can look goofy in mm-hmm. even in the comics where, you know, they have all the uh, leeway to make the character sort of as evil or as dark looking as they want it to be. Like this was really uh, Eclipso was was scary. And the way they treated both that moment of Isaac being killed, they later call him. He's dead. Yeah. And then when uh, Cindy got sucked into the, the goo was really, uh, really good choices. Yeah, I agree. And to the look of Eclipso, he's big, he's menacing, he's clearly very muscly, he's very wet when he emerges, which is gross. Yeah. No thanks. Um, But I really liked, uh, to your point, yes, it could have looked silly. We definitely speculated a lot that he could have the pointy little elf hat thing going on, and they've tamped that down a little bit. But the way that his face is sort of knotty and scarred and weird looking... Uh, it's good. I'm very interested to see how often they use him as a villain going forward, given that they switched back to Brucey e. Gordon at the end there. Well, I think uh, I feel like he's how many episodes we have left Four? No, there's 13 episodes in the season. Oh, 13. So, so there's so seven, seven more. Yeah. Great. Uh, so I do think like we're going to maybe take a little bit of a break from Eclipso, but then come back as they recover, mm-hmm. sort of make a plan. But I think we're coming back hard on Eclipso. And I do think where we land here. Maybe even Cindy Berman will end up being on their side. Mm-hmm. That was my vibe watching this episode was that this is now an, a more evil evil than than even the ISA, the young ISA. So I think maybe they'll shift, especially with her maybe lost in this this shadow dimension. If she hooks up with Charles McKnighter, I can't imagine her – killing him or like being a a villain at that time. Yeah, I think you're right about that. You know, most shows tend to go the route of one big bad and everybody ends up fighting that one big bad. Stargirl went to the other direction with the first season with team on team fights, both at the beginning and the end of the season. If we do get some sort of Thanos style, everybody banding together, all the heroes, all the villains, everybody with powers, Jenny comes back, Starman comes in, you know, Grundy is there pummeling him. I could definitely see that sort of thing happening. Well, especially because, like, if Grundy's, like, smells Rick and is like, oh, the chicken man. Okay. <laughs> oh, he's here. I- I'm with you. I'm with you, the chicken man. Guys the on the radio dude. are like, well, seems like there's some sort of Avengers Endgame style fight happening downtown. Gonna steer clear of that. And now here on the radio is here's what's happening. The song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> definitely a possibility. Yeah. I can't believe you're spoiling a future episode of Stargirl. Sorry, right I here. have watched the entire season. So big spoilers there. Uh, one other thing to add that I think reinforces this is um, Artemis has a line early where she's um, they don't kill Pat because uh, this is a quote from her. He's my dad's friend, which I thought that was an interesting. First off, they chose like, yes, we're we'll go so far, but not that far. But the fact that she considers a sports master, her dad friends with Pat makes me think there is a potential way to just connect all these characters and have them like just really go to bat, uh, wink, against um, this eclipse of. So I think you're right. I mean, to put together a couple of clues here, potentially speaking, when I interviewed the lady who plays Tigris, she mentioned she deferred from answering whether they were going to show up later on in the season 
because of spoilers. But they, Sportsmaster and Tigris, are going to be series regulars in season three. And she Mm. did talk about how they have a very different status quo there, that they have to figure out how they could be people in this community. So I could definitely see exactly what you're saying here, where they come out, they help our Artemis, they beat the big bad, they sort of redeem themselves a little bit, and suddenly in Blue Valley you have a bunch of supervillains and superheroes living together and have to figure out, how does this work? What is this town like now? Yeah, I mean, they're such fun characters. The episode they were on, like, they they add an edge. And for, even though they're sort of weird and funny, you still feel along feel what they're mm-hmm. feeling alongside them. When Artemis doesn't get into her um, college sports program, it's like, you, you're upset along with them, even though we, we were laughing that they didn't know what a vase was when they were looking around in the background <laughs> of, um, the, of Pat's house. Yeah, that'll be very interesting to see. All right, before we wrap up here, who was the star of the episode? Justin, star Oof. of the episode. Um, tough call on this one, but I think I'm going to give it up uh, to Eclipso himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the emergence of Eclipso here was really well done. And despite the child's raised arms at the end, I still found it to be... <laughs> that's scary. A little boy laughing is scary. I mean, I that's why I don't have uh, boys. I have a son. I have a seven year old son. That's how he laughs. That's how kids laugh. They wander down the street in the middle of the night going, ha, 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 ha. To be ha, fair, Alex, you yeah. don't have a son. You're raising a Chucky. Oh, right. I forgot about that. <laughs> you just chose to raise your son as a Chucky. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep him away from those oversized kitchen knives. Yeah, he's very sarcastic and he has a man's voice. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> So I love it. So a lot of times I'll start podcasting and it's with him. Yeah. I I also wanted to give it up for Eclipso, but I think I'm going to give it up for Cindy in this episode, mm. particularly for the moment where she gets the berm, the berm, particularly for the moment she gets this. You know, this is her big move. This is her putting together the ISA. So it's her and her most evil. The fight scenes with her and Courtney are just brutal back and forth. They're arch enemies, and that's exactly how it should happen. But the scene where she gets sucked into the goo is so sad and upsetting because of the way she's begging Courtney to save her. It's just well done that she's able to turn out a dime like that, and I really enjoy it. Yeah, it was good. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Stargirl, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at StarGuysPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, StarGuys out. StarGuys out. Keep that toast popping. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.